In the Trauma-Informed Education podcast, you can get great ideas and practical advice for educators. You can get more invaluable insights and free resources by subscribing to our Trauma-Informed PBS monthly newsletter. Visit www.tipbs.com and register your email address. That's tipbs.com. Hello and welcome to Trauma-Informed Education. I'm your host, Dr Kay Eyre. Today we speak with Kimberly Hodges about structured sensory interventions. Kimberly has dedicated her career to working with students identified as having severe emotional behavioural disorders. She has worked in the private residential and public school setting as a behaviour specialist, classroom teacher and instructional lead teacher. Kimberly received her Master's in Special Education from the Georgia State University and her Specialist Degree in Education from the University of Missouri with a concentration in mental health in schools. I hope you find this interview useful. Hello everyone, welcome. To this morning we're talking with Kimberly Hodges. Hello Kimberly, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Thank you for being with us. Can you um, start with telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do and what led you to working in the area of childhood trauma? Okay. Well, um, I have been working with students um, with severe emotional behavior disorders um, for the last 23 years. I started in in a residential treatment facility as a behavior specialist, and then I moved to the um, public school system where I, I was in the classroom there, and then I became a lead teacher. And Um, Now I'm a behavior interventionist. I've been working with the same program for about 17 years now. Um, And I guess four years ago, maybe, I I had been looking at our kids and and had the ability to kind of do my own observations about things that were going on, on and things that just didn't seem quite right to me. Like um, we would have, at the time I was specifically looking, we had um, 100% of the students we served had at least one um, mental health or medical diagnosis. And about 80% of those students had experienced at least one form of um, trauma and but only two percent of those students was there any mention in in any social history or any psychological about about there being any work with the trauma they had gone through but what did you see you saw we've got ADHD we've got oppositional defiant disorder we've got you know, all the classic things that you're finding, and I'm sitting there going, this is, something's wrong. We're not looking at trauma, and trauma is definitely affecting these kids. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, well, nobody's going to listen to me. I'm a teacher. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not, you know. So yeah. if somebody says it's ADHD, 
then who am I to say, well, I think it could be something else. Um, But then I got my brother and I kind of share stories and share, um, you know, interesting things, videos back and forth. And he introduced me into Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. Oh, yes. Yes. And her TED Talk on the effects of childhood trauma across a lifetime. And I watched that video, and it that was it. I <laughs> that gave everything I had been thinking validation, and I was I then started. Well, that night I um, embarrassingly sent her a um, a very excited message on Facebook, just telling her all about me and that I was really excited. And I wanted to come. I wanted to start working with her and. Um, then I woke up the next morning thinking, oh gosh, what have I done? (laughs) But, um, she was very gracious and responded and was talking about the work she was doing out in California and, um, you know, um, gave me well wishes and told me to continue on my journey and, and continue with what I was doing. But, um, so it was from that point that I started developing um, trauma trainings for our staff. And I just started digging into childhood trauma, finding as much as I could. Um, I found the National Institute of Trauma and Loss in Children. And I took courses with them and I became um, a certified trainer with them and a trauma practitioner through them. And they um, asked me recently to become an associate trainer for them. Oh, so, right. So that was, I was so honored for that. And um, now I'm still working at the school, but I work three days a week still as a behavior interventionist. And then the rest of the time I'm trying to, you know, spread the word on childhood trauma to whatever audiences will listen. Um, so I opened my own consulting business. And I, with that, I am a trauma trainer. Um, I do courses. I do courses from National Institute of Trauma and Loss in Children. But I also do um, classes or trainings that are tailored to whatever audience um, I might be speaking to. And I do, um, I'm also working with Georgia State University right now with their um, Center for Leadership and Disability and their PBIS um, team teaching um, tier three supports. And so I'm doing that work and then I'm doing childhood or child forensic interviewing as well all part of my business so (laughs) i've got a a hand in everything you have just um just kimberly just for a little bit of context so how big is the school that you work in so what we are um we're kind of unique in that in the united states we're the only state in georgia that has this program and it's a program that serves every county in Georgia. So every county in Georgia has a program like ours. So we're not a school 
I guess I called us a school, but we're not a school, even though the, the um, program I'm in does have their own facility. Um, we're considered a service provider for the county. So um, we have students who come to us. We might start off with like 30 students at the beginning of the year, and that's kindergarten through 12th. Yes. grade and then throughout the year we'll have students come and go because our goal is to um, get the student to the point where they can function um, in a less restrictive environment. Okay so um, the students referred to you are they? Yes. Right. Yes. yes. So we might you know we'll our numbers vary throughout the year but um, I don't know, anywhere from 35 to, um, I know one year we've had like 95 students. So right. throughout the year, but not yeah. at the same time. No, no. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. And you said that part mm -hmm. of your um, consultancy, obviously, it reaches a really um, quite a wide audience, I would imagine. What are, who are some of the um, practitioners that you actually um, work with? Um, as far as train, uh, groups that I train? Yeah, yeah. So, so okay. teachers or? So I try to work with um, a lot. Uh, classroom teachers really need this information. Um, I feel like <laughs> when I was in school, I don't know if it's changed very much, but when I was in school um, studying um, special education, there was very little information on emotional behavior disorders. And that was really what I wanted, you know. I want all my classes to be on this. Um, but so just I really want to target classroom teachers, but I, I do workshops for counselors, social workers, um, whole schools. I have a, a school will call me in on a, particular student and I'll go in and um, you so know do, do some observations yeah. right yeah. with the student and then maybe it's that staff needs training um, and that training needs to be trauma-informed or trauma-informed for that particular student and what they've experienced um, so you know, like I said, anybody <laughs> that, that will listen to yeah. what I have to say because I feel like it's so important um, and, and we've missed it for so many years. Mm, yes. What do you, um, what key aspects about understanding childhood trauma and its impact on behaviour and emotions do you think are important for teachers to know and understand? Okay, <laughs> there are. There are many. No, uh, there are, yes, there are. But but I think number one, just knowing what different types of experiences and events are could be considered trauma or traumatic, yes. um, because there are lots of things that you know you might not recognize as trauma. Um, the fact that someone's been adopted or lived in foster care well you might not consider that that could be a traumatic experience but but for many children it is 
So understanding um, the different levels of, of trauma. Yeah. Yes, the different types of trauma and also the effect that trauma has on the brain and on learning. What, so in, with, with thinking that a little bit further, so what do you think are the main challenges of then translating that research that we have on the brain and trauma and learning into the school situation and helping um, schools to become trauma-informed? What are the main challenges with that, do you think? Well, there's a few. Um, unfortunately, one of them that I find is you don't really find people on the fence with trauma. They either believe that it has an effect or they don't. Right. So it's kind of like um, trying to get buy-in. And there are... <laughs> there are naysayers out there yes. who who are like, no, I, this doesn't have anything to do with what happened in their past. This is, you know, they're just choosing this behavior. Well, what child would choose to do the things that some of our kids choose are you're saying that they're choosing to do? Hmm. They would, if they could do different, they would do different. Um, differently. So um, there's that, getting, um, getting buy-in from everyone because in order for a trauma-informed program to really work, you've got to have buy-in because there's just one or two people can throw the whole process off. Yes. Um, um, and then there's having the time for the training because teachers nowadays have so many things they're responsible for. Um, but I, I just hope to get in on that ground level and say, but look, if you have this information, it's going to make your job a lot easier if you understand this from the beginning. Yes. Um, so basically time for the trainings and um, kind of getting everyone to buy into to the idea that this isn't just something made up. It really is. It's huge for our kids, and it can change the trajectory of so many kids' lives and so many kids' um, school, school years. Kids that wouldn't have been successful before if you have staff that's trauma informed and it's it's meeting them um, is meeting them with with relationship as being the key um, to starting um, any type of learning with them, it's huge. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with the buy-in, do you um, do you have any specific? Um, sort of strategies or ways of working that you um, encourage that from? Because what I'm thinking of is um, in our experience, it's, and yours obviously too, it's, it's quite difficult sometimes when you come in as an outsider for a start mm, um, mm -hmm. to, to get, the, get those sort of, get the majority of the staff for whatever space they're in on board. So do you mm -hmm. have any... Um, sort of strategies or tips and tricks for being able to 
encourage that buy-in? Well, one thing that I've noticed has helped a lot, and it is, it is a definitely a heavy part of, of training. But if you expose them to the, the ACE questionnaire yes. um, and have them go through it and um, have just um, have them uh, look at that and see what might apply to them. And then um, I have a couple of different video clips from trainings that I do or for trainings um, that I've gotten through National Institute um, that shows in the movie Antoine Fisher. Did you ever see that movie? Um, no, I didn't, but I, I, and it, I yes, I know. It shows, there's a clip in there that shows um, him seemingly flying off the handle and hitting this guy in the face for no apparent reason. And then as, as he's speaking to the psychologist in the, in the movie, you see his childhood memories and you realize that it was his sensory memories and his trauma memories that came up as he walked into the situation that triggered him to respond the way he did. Gosh. And showing that clip has been so powerful because how many of us respond in situations or respond to situations that remind us of things that might have happened to us when we were younger. Yes. And so if you can, if you can hit your audience on a really personal basis, although it is heavy, <laughs> um, I've had people that need to take a break and walk out and that's okay. But it is that important. Because not only do our teachers need this information to be the best they can be for our students and help them be the best they can be, but as adults, if you, haven't, if you have your own childhood trauma that you haven't dealt with, you need to do that to be the best you can be for yourself and your family and for your kids that you're teaching. Yes, that, that self, sort of self-awareness and... Yes. Is, is really important. And what we found too is in, in our work here is that while we're all very committed to focusing on, you know, supporting all of the children who um, live with trauma and have been affected with trauma, mm -hmm. in education, what we are not doing well is looking after our teacher self-care. Absolutely. Because if our You're, teachers aren't, aren't, aren't showing up and being there every day, the children right. haven't got any support. So, and, right. And so we're trying to, um, while we're, you know, while we're supporting the children, who's supporting the teachers, supporting the children. You're absolutely yeah, right. So that's, that's, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So we, um, our program has started um, trauma-informed care meetings monthly just to um, kind of process through, I mean, monthly probably isn't enough, but it's a start, but to kind of process through events that, that may have happened with a child or events that are, are um, situations that 
the teacher themselves might have been triggered in and kind of look at that and see what they need for support and also share self-care tips Mm -hmm. um, in those meetings. And we've also started um, an after-school yoga program for our teachers as well um, once a week. And wonderful. So we're there tiny steps that we're trying to make, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the self-care for the teachers is, is huge. And we've got to have um, administrators and, and people that are making, um, making decisions and making laws realize that this needs to be a focus. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kimberly, can you uh, give us a little anecdote or a story to illustrate how an aspect of what you do has made a difference? Okay. So um, I, let's see. Well, I have a student who, um, this is going to, I don't want it, this story to be too long, but um, I, <laughs> I um, so we, I work with structured sensory interventions, um, yes. which are um, part of the SITCAP model, which is structured sensory interventions um, for traumatized children, adolescents, and their parents. Um, and tell us what those are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, the, yes. So yes. these are programs that um, were developed by the National Institute of Trauma and Loss in Children. Um, I'll call them TLC from now on. That's okay. what their acronym is. Right. Um, so TLC developed these programs based on the SITCAP model. Um, and the components of the model are um, there's three components. There's exposure, um, which is drawing or another sensory-based activity. And then there's creating the trauma or the trauma theme narrative. Um, So if there's a specific trauma, then you create a narrative around that trauma. But if, if there's not a trauma, then or a trauma that the child can, can identify, then you just talk about, um, you create um, themes around, I mean, you create narratives around the trauma themes like victim thinking or hopelessness or hurt or anger. Um, so you might ask a child, like, if your anger, um, if your anger could speak, what would it say? Um, oh, draw, me a, draw me a picture of your anger. Um, if your anger were a color, what color would it be? Um, things like that. So you do activities around um, building the trauma or the theme narrative. And then there's the cognitive reframing piece. So if they've experienced something in a negative way that's really affected them and has been traumatic for them, then you come back and you reframe it in a way that they're thinking of the situation more as a, as a survivor than as a victim. Right. So, <laughs> so I have, I was working with one particular student um, and he had come to us 
the day before he had just come to our program and we have kids, we have many noises in our program. And sometimes um, we'll have, you know, some of our little ones will have tantrums and they'll um, scream and cry and at the top of their lungs. And this was a middle school child who had come to us and he experienced a tantrum of a little, a little, um, one of our little guys. Right. And I happened to be in the hallway at the time and the middle school student was just panic stricken. He was running from room to room and looking in the doors and, you know, trying to find out where the noise was coming from and was everyone okay. And, um, so I knew immediately that I needed to maybe meet with him the next day. And, um, well, I mean, we got him, you know, um, deescalated and calmed down that day, but I needed to, to delve a little bit deeper to try to, um, figure out what was going on. So, um, we started with the, you know, draw me a picture you can tell me a story about. Mm -hmm. And so he drew me a picture of, um, he had been left alone at, uh, at his house with, I think he was maybe nine, nine years old. He had been left alone with his six year old brother mm -hmm. and, um, they were in the apartment by themselves and they had a dog, but the dog was locked in the bathroom because he wasn't potty trained. <laughs> so, um, my, my student was, was in his bedroom and he heard it. He heard his brother screaming and he ran out into the living room. His, his brother had, um, has, uh, CP and he was lying on the floor, um, coloring that was the last time he saw him. And then the next thing he knows he's screaming and he runs out and he sees a man who's attacking his brother. Oh. The man is broken in the apartment. He's attacked his brother, um, brother screaming. He, um, so he's running. Um, my student is running frantically around the apartment. He can't, he knows he can't take the guy on. He's much too small for that. So he has the wherewithal to open the, the uh, bathroom door and let the dog out. So the dog attacks the guy, um, basically is biting him on the leg, and, and the, the uh, attacker is, is kind of shutting the dog in the door, trying to get him off of him. Yeah. So the attacker finally leaves, and then his brother is unconscious oh, on the floor. And... And he ends up calling 911, and then he calls his mom. Mm. So we see where <laughs> that trigger came Absolutely. from the yeah. day before. But here's the thing. I then did the cognitive reframing because he had drawn this whole picture for me. And he didn't want to draw it at all. He's like, I'm not a good drawer, don't want to draw. Um, I said, well, just, you know, how about I draw it for you? So I start to draw it. No, you're not doing it right. So <laughs> then he takes it from me and he, um, he starts to, you know, just his pencil is kind of going all over the page, telling me the places he's going and the things he's doing. So he, um, I end up asking him, I said, is there anything 
you wish you would have done that you didn't do? And he said, I just wish I could have done more. Yes. And I looked at him and I said, look at the picture you drew. And in your words, what you did, you ran out, you saw that you couldn't take this guy on. You had the wherewithal to open the door and let the dog out. The dog took care of the guy. Then the guy's gone and you still have your senses to call 911. And then you call your mom. You've got the ambulance there. Your brother is still alive. As far as I'm concerned, you've saved your brother's life. And that's a huge, that's what more could you have done? And it was like a weight was lifted off him. Yes. When he could see it through his drawing and then we reframed it in that way. Um, so that was kind of a long story oh, no, <laughs> to, to give you an that's example. That's a really good example of yeah. sensory intervention. I, yeah. Um, I'm sure that others listening as well as myself, I didn't have never really, I've known of it, but I've never really understood the, the processes. And so, um, Kimberly, that's obviously an intervention that... Um, you need to be trained in is there any aspect of that that teachers can embrace in helping children with trauma or is that something that is best left to those that are well trained i know we're we're taught to you know try and um, have the child help the child build a narrative around their challenging behavior right that happened but is right this something that's best left to people specifically trained in so, interventions? So here's, here's the, the, my opinion on that, is mm-hmm. that if you have a child that has specific trauma, I feel like, and, and they are at the point where, where they're willing to go there sure. and they're willing yep. to do something or, or talk about it or, or do an, an art, activity around it what teacher has the time to do that with just one individual child so for those particular interventions I think it's best for a behavior interventionist a school counselor a school social worker I mean if there's someone else that doesn't have a classroom of children Mm. that would have individual time with that child I think that would be important but there's also um, there's a new program that's been developed that I'm really excited about. It's called Healing the Experience of Trauma. Okay. And that is geared toward classroom teachers. I mean, you can use that in the classroom as, um, I can't remember, I want to say it's nine weeks. It's a nine-week program. You can use it in the classroom. It's for all students. It just addresses the themes of trauma. Right. And it's, it's going to help students regardless. Um, and it is something that the teacher could do maybe once a week. A group set. I mean, the sessions take about uh, an hour to 75 minutes, but you can break them up. So if you don't, if you don't have that length of time, yeah, you could break them up. But this particular program, it does focus on 
the themes of trauma, but 75% of the program focuses on resilience and Gosh. teaching resilience and, and giving experiences that build resilience. Um, <clears throat> so like it would be ideal to fit into any social emotional curriculum that we're currently doing anyway. So yes, just, absolutely. Just become part of that curriculum. It wouldn't be, I always think like you've said before about teachers being so time poor, it, these sorts of programs when we find excellent ones like that right don't have to be added I, on they can become what you're teaching right i mean and and it can yeah it can just become part of your school day and Absolutely. it's like you have it's a it's a uh, scripted curriculum so it's not anything once you go through the training which um you can i actually train that course Right. Or you can go on, um, you can take the course online. Um, I, of course, think it's better to take it in person. But yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but no. But you can go online to, um, to the TLC website and take that course and then order the materials and you have it there for your class. Oh, um, thank you. Right, right. So, so there's that that's specifically geared towards teachers. But there are also, I wanted to mention, there are four other programs that they're group programs right. that could work for um, maybe social workers that are doing a group or school counselors that are doing a group with specific uh, children. There's... Um, a group for preschool, I mean, a program for preschool. It's called What Color Is Your Hurt? Um, there's a program for uh, ages 6 through 12 called I Feel Better Now. Um, and then there's the Trauma Intervention Program, which is the main one that I use, and it's for ages 6 to 18. Um, and that can be done as a group program or an individual program. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And there's also the SITCAP art program, which is for um, uh, students ages 13 to 18. It's for at-risk and adjudicated youth. Oh, okay. Um, Thank you for all of that. So, yeah. And there's they are kinds. How, how, how are those accessed again through the TLC website? Yes, you can. So if you take um, the structured, well, so you would need to take like children of trauma and then take structured sensory interventions. And once you take the structured sensory interventions course, you can do any of those programs all oh, right so they build your knowledge is obviously right builds upon. okay oh, right that's great that's really good information thank you yeah mm -hmm. that's great so um just, yeah yeah <laughs> so no, there's all kinds of i've just i do um i do several trainings um well i've done several of those trainings and there's also a trauma-informed schools training um, that I do through TLC. So through me or through them, however you get it, just get it. It's, yes. They're great. Oh, no, that's, yeah. that's really useful information. Yeah. Thank you very much. So just mm -hmm. our final, our final little question is what are you currently curious about in your work? 
<laughs> no, I can tell by talking to you there'll be a million things. We can just think of them. Okay, okay. Um, so the thing that the new puzzle for me is the the whole idea of epigenetics and how um, the trauma, the traumatic experiences of the parent can be passed through the through the genes to the child and so then you have a child born um behind the eight ball so to speak you know um so i or the fact that stress hormones if a if a mother is experiencing a traumatic event or high le levels of stress during pregnancy that those stress hormones can be passed in utero through the placenta um and then affect the child before they're even born um so where do we start <laughs> that's 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 my uh that's my curiosity right yeah, now it's, it's a whole world out there isn't it yes mm. yes absolutely. absolutely yeah Thank you very much. It's been mm -hmm. lovely talking to you. Yes, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck to you down there. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. See you later. All right. That was our interview with Kimberly Hodges. To get access to the links and resources mentioned in the interview, please visit www.tipbs.com. If you are enjoying listening to our show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Your ratings make all the difference. Thank you for listening. See you next time.